what a, a, what a great day to be together, right? To be inside where it's warm. Won't say too much about the cold because we, I know we all have friends and family who are much further north than, than we are. But uh, welcome as we uh, come together to uh, praise God and to uh, share our faith together as we lift up our, our praise to God. Let me invite you to stand and join with me in a, uh, in a call to worship. The Word of God comes into our lives in many ways. God, God's Word calls us now, here in our worship. We all worship the living God and offer our praise to the Eternal One. Amen. Remain standing and let's sing together. To God be the glory.
speaking as we uh, bow our hearts in prayer and lift our voices as one in this uh, invocation prayer. You have brought us, O God, to another Lord's Day when we are privileged to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we have of mind and heart as we open ourselves to the movement of your Holy Spirit. As our love grows within us, may we have rich fellowship with you and with one another. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, to live out our faith, we have our, our pegs that we hold on to, pray, engage, give, serve, and we share opportunities and ways that we can lift each other up in prayer and engage in, in, uh, in community and give and serve. And uh, we have a special partnership in, in our, on our conference. It's called United in Prayer, but it's about our relationship with our sister, brother and sister Methodist churches in Cuba. And we have uh, two sister churches in Cuba, New Horizon, connect with both of them, and we pray for them, and they pray for us. Um, and uh, we've had the privilege of visiting uh, one of our sister churches in the Pinar del Rio area of, of Cuba a few years back. And uh, so we want to just continue to uh, lift them up in prayer and remind you to pray for them, as, because that's part of our, our partnership. We also uh, share some financial resources with them. I don't know if you've ever noticed, there's a little bucket somewhere over here that says pennies from heaven and it's you know you know how you end up with all this change in your car and change on your dresser you just dump all your change in there you know and we send it to great missions and the mission we're taking care of this month and supporting is our partnership with our sister churches in uh, in cuba so remember them in your prayer remember them in our opportunities to give as we uh, as we share together amen Bless the name of Jesus. The name. Bless the name of Jesus. Let's sing it again. Bless the name of Jesus. more time speak the name of Jesus speak the name of Jesus speak the name of Jesus 
speak the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name. Sing the name of Jesus. Pastor Lisa, if you'll bow your heads and pray with me this morning. As we come together, united in our worship of you, Lord, we pray for your perspective. We so deeply desire to see people the way you do, with eyes of mercy and grace. You know us well, Lord. You know we so often center our thoughts on selfish things. Help us to set aside our personal agendas and our self-serving motives and align our hearts with the intentions of your will. Through your Holy Spirit, help us to be sensitive to your leading in our lives, especially where issues of justice are concerned. Help us to be instruments of your peace. Watch over our hearts, our minds, and alert us to opportunities where we can share the good news of your truth. In our everyday lives, Give us your eyes to see all things and all people through your filter of grace so that we can be a positive influence on our families, our friends, our communities, our nations, our world in your honor. Help us reflect wholly your goodness and fairness. May we in love confront and expose inequalities and offer support and comfort and voice to victims of injustice. Lord, we offer a special prayer for the people of Cuba this morning. Help justice to be served. We pray the words of the Apostle Paul over our lives, our minds, and our hearts. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so we turn to our worship and our praise of you, Lord, with love and gratitude. For you are certainly true and noble, right, pure, lovely, and worthy of our praise. We pray all of this as your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Stand and sing together. may be seated. <clears throat> the scripture today is from the Gospel of Luke, beginning at the uh, 14th verse of the fourth chapter. And I have to be honest that uh, this little story, this little piece of scripture has shown up for me like a half a dozen times in different settings, in different places, just over the last, you know, 10 days to two weeks. Um, it was part of a Bible study that I'm uh, work uh, do and work with on Wednesday evenings that came up as part of the study. It was in the reading for that study. Um, my morning devotions, one of the devotionals that I read, um, utilized this scripture uh, one morning or another morning, and, and here it is. It's a prescribed uh, scripture for this day, for this uh, particular day in the year in the cycle of the, of the scriptures uh, in the church calendar. And so here it is before us. So I guess maybe God has something for us to hear. Or at least for me to hear, because it repeated for me over and over again. And here's the thing. When God's working with me, God often has to be awfully repetitive before I get it, you know, and it has to work with me. So th that's what's happened with me here. And this is that wonderful story from Luke chapter 4. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, today, today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Amen. Amen. Most gracious God, may your word be filled in our hearts as we hear and as we share and as we experience your presence and the power of your word. Amen and amen. This, um, this piece of scripture is often referred to as kind of like Jesus' mission statement. This is his mission. This is what he's going to be about. So he's been uh, traveling around Galilee, kind of getting his ministry going. People are following and paying attention. And then he kind of sits down at his hometown, his, his home church, and he says, this is my mission statement. This is what I'm going to be about. But what's interesting to me, what catches me in this, is how the passage starts and what is also echoed in the words he reads from the prophet Isaiah. We know it as Isaiah chapter 61, um, as Jesus is reading it. He went to Nazareth. He was traveling around in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when he reads the scripture, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed in this power of the Holy Spirit. There's a clarity, there's a courage, there's a purpose, there's a, there's a power that fills him. And this is where his ministry begins. Where do we begin? The last two years have been, let's say it, more than difficult. In fact, the last two years we've been going through can be equated, I believe, to the experiences of what happens following a natural disaster like Andrew or Katrina or Sandy or the snow and ice that we've seen come across many parts of our, of our nation, like an earthquake, a tsunami, or uh, a volcano erupting, there are the after effects that you have to deal with. And we've seen how our economy has been affected with the shifting of the workforce and the uh, supply chains being messed up and mixed up. We're walking to grocery stores and we're used to seeing the shelves completely full and the shelves do look pretty full, but then you get to one spot and like, how in the world is there no cream cheese anywhere? You know, or, or where'd all the chicken go? You know, and, uh, and so we see those issues and we see that all around us. And, and people are hungry. There are more and more people needing the uh, supplemental work and, and provisions that we offer here through our Nourishing Lives uh, ministry. And Nourishing Lives is a ministry that had to pivot and change. Their work of lead, feed, read continues to go on, but they're feeding in completely different ways, and it's become bigger and more extensive and more people needing that little bit of supplement and help. We're also seeing a rise in the need for mental health care, and there are struggles and strains around mental health. It's becoming a large concern 
for every generation in our population, and mental health folks are overwhelmed and have these long waiting lists. Healthcare organizations, aid organizations, organizations that deal in response to people's needs are overwhelmed, they're overtaxed, and people are just tired. My wife is an RN that works in a, in a, in a hospital and a clinic, and I hear all the time about how the staffing is short and how uh, overwhelmed they are with the number of patients that need their regular care and, and additional care and just all of that. Life has been disrupted, and it's been disrupted for two years. We've established kind of new patterns of how we go about things, different comfort levels. Things are just different, and let's face it, the church is different. The church is very different. And what happens after a natural disaster is you do the work of recovery. And I remember very clearly in the first 48 hours after Hurricane Andrew, I was part of the leading leadership of the church around, I, uh, being the one who knew South Florida, I'd lead them around and see everything and seeing the disaster and seeing what had happened. I remember asking the question, where do we start? Where do we begin? How do we get going with this rebuilding, this reboot, this uh, refocus, this reset of things, or I sometimes refer to it as the reform. How do we put the form back together? How do we build that structure back? How do we reform? Humpty Dumpty has fallen off the wall, has cracked everywhere. How in the world do we put Humpty Dumpty back together again? And Humpty Dumpty's not going to look the same. There's going to be cracks and scars, and how do we do this? What's the first step? How do we begin? There's a little parable that's uh, attributed to Martin Luther King Jr. And we celebrated his life and his work in this past week. And Martin Luther King Jr. told this uh, wonderful little story. He said there was a man who was relaxing uh, by a stream. And he wasn't relaxing by a stream in cloudy and rainy weather and ugly snow and ice that we see at this time of the year. No, it was a beautiful spring day. And the sun was shining and the stream was bubbling and making its little sounds and the cool breezes of the air were around and the, the birds and the sounds of the, of the nature were all around. And it was just this beautiful experience. And as the man was sitting there by that stream one day, he looked up and he noticed that there was somebody floating down the river and not only were they floating down the river, they were badly injured. They were bruised and bloody and, and in the river. And of course, he got up and he waded out into the water and, and grabbed that person and brought them ashore and began to tend to their wounds and began to care for them and bandaging and caring for them. And while he was doing that, he noticed that here comes another person floating down the river, also bleeding and injured and of course, went out there and got that person and brought them up to shore. And no sooner had they done that, that here comes another person. And then another person and another person. And it kept repeating itself. And it became very apparent that there was some evil, some evil happening upstream. And so the question that Martin Luther King would ask to all those who would listen, what's the response to such an evil? Keep pulling victims out of the water one by one and treating them and caring for them are to hike upstream and find the source of the injustice and fight the injustice. 
Where do we begin? What do we need to march upstream and do the healing work? Did you hear the passage? How Jesus' ministry began? It began with the Holy Spirit. It began with the Holy Spirit filling him. We all agree with Jesus' mission statement. We all agree and we all want to care for the poor and the hurting and offer them hope and good news. We want to liberate those who are bound up. We want to feed the hungry, help the blind and the trapped have a vision for their future and, and hope. We want to have solidarity with the oppressed and to lift them from their struggles. We want to see God's kingdom roll in. We, we all agree with that. But this work is impossible without an anointing of the Holy Spirit, without being filled with the Holy Spirit, without a fill-up of God's power and God's grace in our lives. What we need is to start is the power of God, the courage of God, the clarity of the work that is before us. And let's pay close attention to how Jesus' ministry began. Because, you know, he was going around Galilee, ministry's kind of getting started, but how his ministry began when Jesus shows up on scene after we have the Luke shares the birth stories, you know, and those kinds of stories. The next time we see Jesus is he's walking down by the river. He's walking down by the river Jordan, having a conversation with his cousin, John, and he's baptized. He's baptized in the river. He's down into the water, and he comes up out of the water. And how does the story go? What happens when he comes up out of the water? The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And there was this voice, this voice of God that was clarity and about purpose. This is my son. I am well pleased. The power of the Spirit is upon him. And what does that power of the Spirit do? Drive him out to do work? No. It drives him out to an alone time with God. He spends more time with God alone. We know it as the story of, uh, of the temptation, because Jesus goes out there and he's tempted by the devil and up. But it's, it's mostly a story that tells us that Jesus went out into the desert to have 40 days of prayer and fasting, to be alone with God, to be filled up with God's power, to be filled up with God's presence. You know, most of the New Testament was written by, by Paul, and you know what, how Paul got his start in ministry? We hear the stories of him, you know, having his eyes opened and all that kind of stuff. But the next time we hear from him is three years later. Paul spent three years spending time with God to be filled up to do the work. So Jesus is a baptized. The Spirit comes upon him. He spends time with God, spends time alone. He is filled up. We talk about it as the temptation story where the evil one says, hey, I know you've been fasting and you're hungry. There's a stone over there. Turn it to bread. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'm so hungry and I'd love to do that. And oh, it's so tempting. No, man, Jesus is strong and he's ready to go. He's got scripture. He's popping it out. And there is no temptation in him at all because he walks right through that because he is filled with the Holy Spirit. He is ready for the work as it goes forward. And as he comes from that, it says, Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he began to go to Galilee and then to Nazareth and then to his places where he was, where he was to do his work. All of this happens before Jesus does the ministry and the miracles that we hear about. 
He's filled up before he begins the feeding ministry of 5,000, you know, with just a couple of loaves and some fish. He's filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit before healing lepers and restoring sight and making the deaf hear. He's filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit before liberating a woman who has been trapped by an illness dealing with blood when she just touches the hem of his garment. He's filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit before he brings good news to a desperate woman of Samaria at a well. He is filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit before Zacchaeus is transformed into a model of kingdom generosity. What filled Jesus up? What filled him? A baptism? An anointing with the Spirit and the Holy Spirit descending on him? Time alone in prayer and fasting and being with God? Jesus emerges from all of this ready to do the work of ministry. It begins with being filled up. It begins with a receiving and anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we ask, what fills you? What fills me? What fills the church? What are those practices and those things that we can do to fill us? I know that for, for me, often a, a retreat, a time alone with God, is, is a powerful experience where I can read Scripture and be in prayer and do that deep thinking and uh, that meditating on God and letting God move in, in my life. And the reason I think that that is a good thing for me is because it is not a natural thing for me. I am not a person who likes to sit by myself. I'd rather be around people. I'd rather be talking. My wife calls me the weirdo that talks to everybody that walks by in the neighborhood. You know, uh, particularly she says, he says you, she says to me, she says, you know, you really can't engage, you know, the teenage girls that walk by in the neighborhood. You really can't be talking to everybody, you know. And I'll engage the people who are serving me at the store and all of that kind of stuff and at, because I love to hear stories. So a retreat and time alone with God is something that I have to set aside and have myself do, and it's powerful. Another thing that works for me is, is mission work. And we have our mission work that we do day in and day out. And we, you know, we might serve food here or move food around or, or buy things and, you know, and donate them and bring them by. Um, but I'm talking about the mission work where I kind of have to get out of my own normal everyday routine, maybe go somewhere, you know, uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, be where I, I don't have all the creature comforts. You know, I have to go to a place where I take my most low-maintenance self, you know, and, and go there. And um, those kinds of things, whether they're across the street or across the country or across the globe, that get me out of my normal everyday routine and engage with people in a, in a different culture, in a different place, really fills me. And it does something for me. Another thing that, that fills me are my, are my groups that I share in. Um, I have a Wednesday night Bible study group that I absolutely love sharing with. I have other groups of folks that I, I connect with and, and share with and hear their stories. I also have a an accountability group with some other clergy that we have been friends since we were in, in college together. And so for 40-some years, we've been sharing life and holding each other accountable and, and sharing our, our stories, and that fills me. And stories, that's another thing. I love stories. Those really fill me to hear other people's stories. You know, stories are, 
you know, the, those big words of witness and testimony, they're just telling our stories. And I love hearing stories. I, the movies and the books that are about real life people's stories, I love that kind of stuff. My wife and my family just kind of roll their eyes at me. It's like, oh, Rafe's on that history thing again, reading some ancient history thing. But it's somebody's story. It's somebody's life. And it fills me. What fills you? What fills you with a, a sense of power and, and clarity from God? What fills you? I know that some examples of what fills a, a lot of folks is um, seeking out studies, seeking out a, a group to be a part of, seeking out a, a coach or a mentor that helps guide you through that spiritual journey. Or maybe it's journaling in that time of reading Scripture and meditating on Scripture and deep thinking, journaling and writing it out. I know a lot of people, you know, when they put it down in words, it begins to have a reflective power for them and they sense the power of God moving or reading, or like Jesus in the wilderness, fasting and prayer. Yes, fasting and prayer is a wonderful spiritual discipline to practice. Just recently, um, my family got me hooked into trying for health reasons, uh, intermittent fasting, and I uh, started doing it for the health reasons, but I found out that there was this clarity during my morning, morning uh, uh, meditation time and, and uh discipling time that uh, all of a sudden I, I was more aware and things were more clear and so now I do the intermittent fasting purely for the spiritual purposes we each need to be filled up the church needs to be filled up the, we all need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to face this disaster recovery that is now before us what fills you? What fills the church? Because we're going to need it. What fills the church? What fills us? Maybe it's like Jesus. And, and what fills you, what fills me, what fills us are, are the sacraments. You know, that baptism. Jesus was baptized. Baptism is a powerful thing. I've participated mostly in retreat settings in baptism renewal services that have truly blessed me and blessed me and, and made me feel strong. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., who I talked about earlier, but Martin Luther, the leader of the Reformation from the 1500s, he got up every morning, put his hand on his head, and said, I am baptized. And that was part of his, well, how he felt the power of God in his life. Our other sacrament that maybe we need to fill up is, is Holy Communion. Holy Communion is our sustaining sacrament. It's that real presence tangible power and grace of God that we share in that that fills our life and sustains us John Wesley the uh, the, the father of Methodism he his words always ring in my ear as often as possible Sa the sacrament of communion is to be shared and received as often as possible as often as possible and so in two weeks we're going to rally around the communion table we're going to start something here on the first Sunday of each month we're going to have one unified worship service, and it's going to be a communion service. And we'll serve communion in a variety of ways, but we're going to rally around the communion table and come together 10 o'clock Sunday morning, February 6th, the first Sunday of February. We're going to rally around the communion table and come together as our way of connecting with God and part of what we desperately need to fill up. Because if we're going to put the formation back into our lives, into the church, 
if we're going to reset, reboot, re-whatever you want to call it, as we face this year and this work, what we need, how we begin, is to fill up. The only way to face what challenges us today is to fill up with the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Most gracious God, we pray that that your Spirit would move like the wind and fill us, fill our lungs with that breath of the holiness of your power and presence. Give us clarity and courage and creativity and strength as we go forward into the kingdom work of this year. The kingdom work that lays before, before us in the days and the weeks and the months to come. Lord, may we follow the example of Jesus Christ who turned to you and focused on filling with you first before journeying and traveling and working in the ministry of your kingdom. Oh Lord, may your church be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. Amen. As part of our response to God, of course we respond with giving and with prayer, but let's also respond with song. For Christ for the world we sing. Let's, let's stand and lift our voices to God in a response to God's word. Go now with the power and the assurance and the blessing that God has sent His one and only Son who has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Go now with this homework to find 
those means and mechanisms and disciplines that fill you, that fill you and be filled with God's Spirit for the strength and courage of the work of the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen and amen.